0: This is my first attempt at an organic conversation for the new website, Roman A Day. I'm joined right now by the founder of the Sense movement, Chris. You can find him online on Twitter at Brochensky. Awesome follow if you're not following him already. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks. How are you, Graham?
0: Uh, not too bad. This is the first episode. Kind of hoping to do things a little bit differently normally in the past. Do your typical Q&A. Give, have a list of questions ready off the hop. And I'm trying not to do that this time. I'm just going to try and have a normal conversation. I thought this would be an awesome place to start because of the popularity and just the the momentum that the Sense movement has. You're the founder. You're the originator. Like, Take us back a year. That's when this has all started, right?
1: Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was last year when like everyone... Like like the very few people that were watching the Sens were cheering for them to lose, which I thought was just like kind of funny in a way. You're <laughs> I mean, watching this team get hammered night after night, and it's like that's what you want to see. And then you know everyone was cheering whenever the Kings won or the Coyotes won, you know whoever else was in the basement. And then I just happened to see that meme, and I thought it was funny, and I slapped the Sens hat and foam finger on it. And and any time some Sens reporter you know tweeted out you know, the Kings won last night and the Sens lost. I would just post in their replies with, you know, no context. And, <laughs> and I like, I don't think anyone found it funny. And then eventually like a couple of my buddies on there kind of picked up on it. And, and then just like this season, it just took on this whole new meaning. It's just with like, I don't know. It was like Sens fans got to the point where they don't care about the losing. They don't care about Melnick or Dorian. And then, obviously, the Sens are just humiliating one team after another in this division, and people are enjoying laughing at other fans.
0: They're creating a bit of chaos, right, within the division. Like, Yeah. Whether it was Montreal with Claude Julien getting fired, coming back 5-1 against Toronto. Jeff Ward could be on the hot seat with what Ottawa did to Calgary this past week. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy just how how much chaos this organization can create for other teams in this, in this division.
1: Yeah, it really is and like that, that sends comeback. Like that's, I think that's going to go down as like the all time, my all time favorite sends regular season win. Like that was such a blast. And to see like the meltdown, like it lasted like a couple weeks and, and the Leafs <laughs> were like, they were in like in first place. But like, if you didn't check the standings, you would have thought they were in last. Like people were just losing it.
0: And that's kind of like the interesting thing with where Ottawa's at. There's no pressure on these guys whatsoever. And they have this opportunity to know (laughs) there are no expectations. Every other team within this division should have playoff aspirations, but Ottawa just seems to be messing with everybody. And it's just saw it in the presser the other day with Mark Bergevin, where he's like, this is a good young team that works hard and plays hard. And, (laughs) you know, everybody's trying to like play up how good the senators are, but I think look at the record and it's, it's hilarious what these guys are doing.
1: Yeah, it really is. And and it's like, these are all like unproven players too. Like it's all rookies and some washed up vets. And it's like, there's no way the Sens should be causing this much trouble, but they are. And like Brady Kachuk, him, like he is just a blast to watch night after night. Like It seems like nothing phases him. Like he's down, the Sens are down four goals, five minutes left. He's still out there like throwing punches and getting elbowed in the face. He's like just the heart and soul of this. I'm so glad. I I was mad when they drafted him, but I'm glad now that they did. He's just one of the few guys who you really
0: look forward to seeing once the playoffs actually become a a recurring thing for the Sens in the future. Seeing that guy get his feet wet. And just seeing like the animosity and the agitating factors that that guy brings to the team. It's just a dynamic. I'm really, really looking forward to. Cause I think if you look at like the Senator's heyday from like the late nineties through the mid two thousands, that element was sorely lacking amongst the top yeah. players on the team. And to have a guy like that on the roster that you can hopefully build around for the foreseeable future is going to be awesome. But <laughs> getting back to the sense, sticker movement, it started last year. It, got built with a bunch of your friends there's a little bit of momentum they caught on to what you were doing what was like the catalyst this season that you kind of just said well okay this is starting to take off a little bit
1: it was I feel like it kind of started with that comeback win against Winnipeg that last second goal by I don't know who uh, Riley or someone it touched like four different people for one and and I think that's when kind of like the buzz started and then that five-to-one comeback against the Leafs. Like, it absolutely blew up. Like, everyone was posting it. And then, like, some of the media guys started referencing. I think I saw S- Sean Simpson. I saw Brent Wallace talk about it. And then the game where they played the that Sens' Sicko song in the arena, like, like I w- I just could not believe it. It's like, it's crossover from the fans to the team now. And then the Sens' Twitter account tweeted out their own uh, Photoshop of it. Crazy. Like, it kind of became this, like, underground Sens' logo.
0: James Mellish is the is the creator behind that Senseiko song so if you're not following him on Twitter you can find him at Silver Seeker MTG it's it's kind of self-deprecating though right like I I think if you look back at this team's history over the past number of years like we've endured a lot of hardships and unfortunate circumstances and it was really easy for people outside the city or and other fan bases to poke fun of at us or I should say and we're kind of poking fun at ourselves with this whole sense movement. move. Nothing anyone can say to us at this point can really hurt us because so much has gone wrong. And yeah. that's, that's part of the whole mantra of your sense movement. Isn't it? Not?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's totally that it's like, there's nothing you can say that's going to phase a, a sense fan. And it's it, it, like, I don't know It's if it's this kind of this like this little brother kind of thing, or it's like, you're stuck between the halves and the leafs. And, and it's like, I feel like sense fans, like we've been, we've been hearing the same jokes in the office. Like, like 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 people were making those jokes about them losing the playoffs to the Leafs, like feels like up until like three years ago basically. And then and then the last five years it's been like, oh, Eugene Melnick like this, Eugene Melnick like that. It's like I know. It's like a, I...
0: and that's what and that's one of the things in Ottawa, right? Like people people kind of understand like there is that Eugene Melnick ownership factor in Ottawa. And, there, but they're at the same time, they're, like there is that Eugene Melnick fatigue, right? Like, yeah, we, we know, we kind of know ownership is an issue with this organization. And yeah, you can keep pointing it out over and over and over again, but it doesn't appear that he's going anywhere. So you kind of have to embrace it and, and have some fun with it, which I think you've done. And yeah. it seems like a lot of people are having that kind of fun right now. But is it not kind of weird because of the self deprecating factors? Is it kind of not weird just to hear like, the dj the senator's dj is playing it at games and there's like but we're kind of making fun of ourselves there's that weird kind of dynamic going on there right
1: yeah i I am surprised they embraced it because it's like this creepy kind of like pervert (laughs) peering through a window and calling calling ourselves sickos but uh, like i don't know it just fits with like the you know being the small market team uh you know during quarantine i think everyone's kind of gone a bit loopy with it all uh and yeah, it's just like just constantly having the sense get picked on. It's, yeah, it, it is completely self-deprecating. It's like you know, I'm I'm still watching the team after all this. Like, yes, I am a bit crazy, but no, it's like you're still gonna keep watching the sense because you love it. At its core, that's what being a sports fan is. You know, cheering for your team through the losses, even when you know how uh, kind of how bad it is. And
0: it's kind of crazy to think you look back over the last like Eugene Mellick bought the team in 2003. There's been so many weird things that have happened during that time. But at the same time, there's been like, a, like some crazy rides. You look at like the crazy yeah. rides of like the Hamburglar run 2017 playoff run. In the Stanley Cup final, obviously in 2007. Yeah. Even now, like this is kind of like its own unique run. And it seems like it things are kind of on the upswing. And it kind of has like that same kind of, I don't anticipate the team going on a playoff run here, but it seems like it has that kind of like good natured, fun time vibes that we've had in a couple years past. That despite everything that's happened, finally, here's some good. Here's an online sense community kind of making light of a fun situation.
1: Yeah, it definitely has. Like it, it feels like 2011, 12. Again, where it's like, it was just kind of this, like, you got rid of the toxic locker room. You got rid of all the you know the underperforming star players. And, and now it's just all young guys, like, playing their hearts out every night. And, like, like, it really is fun again. Like, it's the most fun I've had following the team since 2017, the, the cup run.
0: And what would it take? I was doing, like, kind of like a virtual Zoom meeting with a bunch of friends, uh, teams meeting, actually. We were having a conversation about the Ottawa... One of the guys mentioned, he said, what would it take for this fun-natured stuff to end? It seems like every time things seem like they're going off the rails, something good happens to kind of like pull everyone back in. Is Brady Kachuk that pin where it's like, if Ottawa can't get him signed to a long-term contract, is that going to kill some of the buzz? Like, it seems like every time... You get to that precipice of everybody being like, okay, apathy setting in We're not really feeling the Ottawa Senators. It seems like there's something. It's an Andrew Hammond to run. It's it's yeah. a sense sicko movement. What do you think it would take for this strong community to come apart a little bit?
1: I think it would be the Kachuk thing. Like, I was a bit worried about that over the the off season. You can kind of tell over the off season when they had a trade for guys that like clearly people don't want to play in Ottawa and you know break a Kachuk having. Kind of of, uh, you know, his father be so vocal in media and, you know, kind of, I think he has a, I can't remember who his agent is. I think it's the same guy who represents Marner. It's, it's some big name agent. I thought uh, it was the
0: same guy as Stone, but I could be wrong. I could totally. Oh, it is. Yes. Or that's It's, who his, is. Uncle. Yeah, it's his uncle, isn't it? Or something, or, or there's some connection there. I can't remember. Yeah,
1: there is. Yeah. There's a family connection there somehow. And I, I was kind of worried about that in the off season, just that there was no news on it. I mean, I can kind of get why it's like COVID, you know, kind of screwed up the schedule and it's changing the salary cap. You know, it's going to change the CBA somehow. Like, I know it complicates things, but you know, as a Sens fan, like, you know, it's kind of hard not to worry about it. And, you know, Brady Kachuk really is kind of the heart and soul of the team. Shabbat's like, like he's definitely like like the on-ice leader. Like, the play kind of flows through him, but like Brady Kachuk is, really seems to be the heart of the team. And yeah, like, I think if they lost him, like, I think that would really be a blow to all this optimism.
0: Looking back over the last 10 years, There have been those moments where Apathy should have set in, and it hasn't. Yeah, Obviously, with what we're kind of going through now as a fan base with the Sense Sickos movement, the strength of this community and this fan base is it's online uh, community, the way yeah. everybody kind of bands together. It's almost like a group therapy session where it's like <laughs> everybody gets along really well and there's so much creative and artistic merit to what everybody contributes to the Senators Twitter community, especially. Everybody kind of rallies around it and has fun with it and see it from other fan bases. We love Sense Twitter, like evolving yeah. evolving hockey, evolving wild. Like Those twins like love the Senators community. You see it with Flames fans where it's, oh, if I wasn't a Flames fan, I'd be a Senators <laughs> fan because yeah. their community is so strong and you kind of get those feelings from across the league it's just it seems like one of the pillars of this organization is this online community
1: yeah it really is I and I think a big part of that is like like when you tune into TSN it's like all they talk about it's like the Leafs and you know the big market teams and I get it it's like you got to bring the viewers in but I think the strength from the community just comes from like Sens fans kind of being upset that you know they don't talk about the Sens enough and you know on the on the big name you know, media sites. So it's like, why not just create our own community? Like it really has snowballed. Like as far back as I can remember, there's always been great sense blogs, great podcasts. It's always been a strong community.
0: It seems like it's kind of exploded in the last two years. Right. Yeah. It's kind of taken like the next level. Like you're seeing a guy like James Mellish, for example, who's come out of nowhere. He's kind of just taken over. Like he's pumping out. I just saw like right before we started recording this interview tonight, like he just pumped out another Eric Branstrom song. Like. (laughs) like he's pumping out content like crazy. And then you, you know, you look at the b- blogs, you look at the podcast, like people are starting to rally around this team and this team organically is only going to grow. Like their young kids are only going to get better. This team is inevitably, they're only going to get better as the young kids improve. And we've already seen them take like measured steps for it already this season. And then you look at some of the additions that they could possibly make uh, as soon as this year, like Jacob Bernard Docker could come up. Shane Pinto is a guy being thrown around as a name who could potentially turn pro soon. And it's only going to get better, but what's next for the sense fan base, you know, as a guy who's been involved in this community for so long, like what do you anticipate being the next big thing for Ottawa?
1: I think the next big thing, uh, I guess it's going to be the, the playoff push, I suppose. In a, a couple of years from now, I feel like the last few years, everything's been set on Melnick. Everyone's been focused, you know, the downtown arena, the salary cap and, I feel like everyone's kind of put that behind them. I feel like it's just it's got oversaturated. And I don't like, think we have a like,
0: choice at this point, though, right? Like it no. doesn't feel like he's
1: going anywhere. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, like I, I've given up on the hope that he's gonna sell. <laughs> it's, like, like if you go like on Twitter and on Sense Reddit, people have been saying, like, oh, like uh, the sale's coming this summer. Someone told me that. It's like we've been hearing that for like six years now. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just it's got all gotta be. The on ice stuff that's a focus, and and like that's the sense core. It's like all the sense best players now are all like 22 years old. It's like you know, Kachuk, Stutzla, Norris, Shabbat, White like that's a young core. And when you add in you know, Bernard Docker and Pinto, like in two to three years, like I feel like that team's going to make a big playoff push. I don't know, like the way things are going, like people are really enjoying watching the Sens again. And I think if they make the playoffs, like I think it will be kind of I think the Suns will get a kind of a, a second win the fan base will get a second win again I, I think people will kind of rally around them yeah and they could certainly
0: use the the enthusiasm and, and just having a re-engaged fan base like they need to sell tickets oh, yeah. ASAP and like I can't even imagine how much ownership and the organization is hurting from like the COVID losing oh yeah losing almost like a full season worth of games they played half a season last year You know, you're talking about a 56-game schedule this year. uh, 28 home games off the docket right away, right? So it's got to be huge. It's got to be huge for the revenue. To not have those games and gates, like that's got to be painful for the organization. So they need that kind of quick turnaround. But in saying that, are you kind of worried about the next steps talked about Malnick. Are you one of those fans who doesn't have a ton of confidence in management whatsoever, or do you have kind of like guarded optimism for what Dorian can do? Like where, what's your stance on that whole situation?
1: This off season, like I know you weren't a fan and I was not a fan either. Like all those vets he brought in, like Dadnov, like, I, I still think that was a great signing, but I understand you didn't want the young guys getting their teeth kicked in, but like the vets he brought in are, are worth worse than the young guys he was trying to protect. And you know, I try and give him the benefit of the doubt because he's so shorthanded. I think he has, he only has one assistant GM, I think. And I you know it seems like they have what, like one analytics guy and probably the uh, smallest scouting staff. Yeah,
0: one analytics guy who's their old video coordinator. And they have a freelance, uh, part time guy helping them. Yeah, it's, it's like,
1: it's just, it's got to be the smallest front office in the league. I think the best thing going from is like the draft record, like Batherson in the fourth round, Pinto in the second. Like the prospects coming up, like like he has built a really good core of, of young forwards. The big thing looming, I mean, it probably won't be a problem for a few years. Is the Melnick situation? Like, is it going to be the Carlson Stone era again, where they hit that ceiling of you know they don't have the extra fifteen million to give the team a good you know second deep pair and fourth line? It's you know like that does kind of worry me, but you know I I don't know what the solution is other than. I, don't, I really don't know what the solution to that is. I just kind of tell myself that's a a two to three year away problem. And <laughs> yeah,
0: you're just, at this point, you're just along for the ride and you're enjoying what you can. Right. And exactly. Right. And that's kind of the rub. Like they, you're right. Like they've accumulated a ton of depth throughout the organization. Obviously for me, like the question marks are, do they have enough high end skill to push themselves to the next level? Do they have that number yeah. one center? You see like Tim Stussler is playing well after kind of like a rough little start and he's starting to progress and you're starting to see that confidence grow. But at the same time, like, you know, you read Bruce Garriott's tweets about the hesitancy to move Stussela to center because he hasn't played there in a couple of years. And, you yeah. know, you wonder. It's like, well, oh, okay, well, these games are meaningless. Like, when are you going to give him a chance to learn? Because whether it's this year or next year or the year after that, like the stakes are only going to get higher as this team gets better and the players around him get better. So there's more on the line. And if there's an opportunity to develop the kid now at center and give him some reps, even if it's just like playing the odd time and in a blowout of a third period or or something like that, just to give him some opportunity to see what he can do. I don't see the harm in that, but. There are some holes in the system that you kind of wonder like who's the next goaltender going to be? Who's the number 1 center? Yeah. Do they have enough defensemen to compliment Thomas Chabot and Jake Sanderson? Those are just the obvious questions, and it's it's really easy to tear it down. We've talked about this before. Like It's really easy to tear down a roster and accumulate and stockpile yeah. young draft picks. It's kind of like handling all those picks, analyzing like which ones you want to keep, which ones you want to move out. How are you going to build around this young core? And you're right. We've seen how long this rebuild has taken, and the sends aren't even relatively air quotes here. They're not mm-hmm. even relatively like competitive in respect to the standings right now. Like even though they're going on this run, like, okay. Well, if next year's a year where they're actually going to push for a playoff spot, like how long is it going to take for them to be like okay now they need to win a playoff round or na- now they need to go a little bit deeper in the playoff? And by the time that happens, it could be like three four years out. And now you're talking about all these guys kind of hitting UFA status. Yeah, and that's where your concern kind of kicks in. That's to me, that's that's the big issue. Once these guys approach that UFA status, is the organization going to put its money where its mouth is? Are they gonna have the money and wherewithal to like sign these guys long term once they're approaching like 26, 27 years of age? That's kind of been the rub, right? I yeah. feel like after after the last period of success, you know, guys like Carlson Stone, they all hit like 27, 28, 29 years of age. And then as soon as yeah. that happened, the organization's like, nope, we're out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. Like that, yeah, that last sense team, like it the wheels came off right when they should have been getting good. Like that but, whole team was in their prime.
0: But at the same time, you don't want to really overextend yourself to guys like in entering their 30s, right? And you're kind of seeing yeah. you're kind of seeing the other half of that right now for Ottawa. It's like they it's like they stumbled into a market inefficiency where it's like, no, nah, we're not gonna lock ourselves into long-term deals with these guys, it's way too expensive. <laughs> and then conveniently, all these guys fell off a cliff. Their performance has declined, with the exception of Stone, who's yeah performing at an MVP level. But
1: yeah, it is true. Like the league is getting like younger and younger every year. And yeah, like like as much as I love Carlson, like like I think we're lucky we didn't give him that big contract. Uh, Like he's yeah, he's not looking good in San Jose. Like even RFAs are starting to get big contracts now. Like you see, like
0: man, it's like guys leaving ELCs. Are signing, like you know, you look at Toronto, right? Like, where are the problems that Toronto created? Well, it's you know, Matthews, Marner, and Neilander signed big tickets, and they tried to surround those guys with talent and realized that, yeah, this is way more expensive than they probably envisioned it being like five, six years ago. But you really
1: do have, if you look like the Oilers, I, I like you have to learn from them, like, you do have to pull the trigger on. Uh, you know, on going for it at some point. like you can And Winnipeg,
0: right? Like, Winnipeg was in Winnipeg the same too. boat. Like, they had Bufflin. They had a great blue line at the time. And, you know, yeah. like Mark Stone became available and they got gun shy And they went for, like, Peter Stastny instead. Yeah, And your window's only open for so long. And, and eventually, true. you can't get gun shy. Eventually, you have to make an all-in kind of move and go for it. But they, they didn't. Now they're just kind of one of, the, like, the afterthoughts of this North division here.
1: Yeah, it's true. They, they look like a broken team. Like, like Hellbucks like, definitely one of the best goalies in the league. But if, like, you gave them an average goaltender, like, probably, like, not much better than Ottawa.
0: No. Based off their blue line alone, I thought they'd be bottom of the division with Ottawa. But, yeah. That, uh, they've kind of surprised yeah. me a little bit. They're towards the top. I didn't expect Vancouver to fall off like they have. Calgary's underachieved. But they're kind of like, I don't know, Calgary's one of those weird teams where they have, like, a nice mix of, like, decent young guys, young-ish guys, with guys like Giordano. And they have, like, really good players who are given less credit around the league. The Mangia Pan, like, unbelievable. Oh.
1: He's oh like yeah, an the, incredible talent. But the, their penalty kill last night, where they had Backlund and Mangiapane, like those guys are all over Ottawa. It was like, I could not get over how good those two were. <laughs> so moving forward,
0: San Sico, do you, do you feel like the momentum of this is gonna is gonna wane at all? Gone from being like you're like you and this tight circle of friends. And now all of Sense Twitter is essentially talking about it. Is it going to lose its luster soon? Do you think there's going to be like a lot of shelf life? What do you anticipate going forward?
1: It's, it's definitely lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. But kind of this reality of Twitter is like memes die quick. Like it, it just gets to the point where it's so oversaturated that everyone's sick of seeing it. But I, d- I don't know the sickest thing. Like it just like it just keeps like evolving. It keeps taking on new meanings. And, like, the whole underlying vibe of the sickos thing is that, like, it seems to be embodied in the sense, in the media, in the fan base. Like, Brady Kachuk, he, like, is the sicko. I mean, maybe the, the meme might die a bit. People might not be posting as much, but I feel like a little. always of... Kinda... But then you see Pierre Dorian go behind
0: the glass <laughs> against Montreal, and you're like, oh, my God, that's that's actually, like, total embodiment of the meme right that's there. And he's just... He's there. Like, what's he doing there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's it's crazy to think about that because you just watch. This is playing out live, like, exactly like the meme, and there it is. True, yeah. What's he doing? The general manager of the Ottawa Senators is playing out the meme yeah. <laughs> in real time during a Montreal game. You're just, like, you can do nothing but laugh at it. It's hilarious.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's, like, it just keeps on, like, taking on new life and evolving. And then, like, it started with that 5-1 Come back, and then they get Claude Julien fired, and now like, I mean, it depends how the next two games go against Calgary. Like, they might get Jeff Ward fired. <laughs> it, it just keeps on going. It's like like they're just they're just embarrassing everyone in the league. And then Vancouver, like like that's a, that's another fragile team. There, like people aren't happy with the GM.
0: And same with Toronto, right? Like if Ottawa keeps yeah. like playing Toronto hard, it's only going to amplify it, right? Everybody loves it. It's unbelievable. Where does it go from here?
1: I I really don't know, but I feel like I don't know. It's just like there's this optimism around. The, there's no reason why we should be optimistic about the team. They are in last place, but there is this just optimistic buzz that like they can just do anything that they they can that, that they want to do.
0: to me to me it's reminiscent of like 2011 once like you're right like all you mentioned it earlier like all the redundant overpaid veterans kind of got shipped out they got their you know they got their fresh start in in other organizations guys like chris kelly mike fisher what have you they brought in guys like eric condra Colin greening not necessarily great players, but like young guys who are hungry for the first taste in the NHL, Zach Smith. And they fared well down the stretch and, you know, they overachieved. Craig Anderson gave gave them some good goaltending, made a play of it and then kind of exceeded expectations. And it kind of has like that same vibe. I know all these guys in the offseason were brought in to insulate the kids, but the kids have just taken off and they've proven that they just don't need that veteran insulation. They don't need veterans. They just need more quality talent around them. And it doesn't matter how old the talent is. It's just, they just need a little bit more help and you look at what guys like Josh Norris, Stutzla, Batherson are doing and it's it's incredible. They're doing it without the weight of expectations and they seem to be thriving and it's they seem to be building like a camaraderie that we haven't seen. You look at yeah. like Senators teams from years past. I don't know if you've seen a tight-knit group like what's evolving within that Senators dressing room right now. There's bromances abound. It, it's
1: crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. the Kachuk and Stutzla like kind of giggling to each other. Like, like like that was just like the perfect moment. Like like Kachuk's in there with his jersey off. He just got in a fight and he's just sitting there laughing about it. It's kind of like that early days with like Spetsa, Emery, and McGratton, kind of, but maybe a little oh, a little more gentle, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. They haven't had that influx of kids in such a long time, and and not just kids, but like good caliber kids who yeah who seem to be trending upwards all at the same time, and you know hopefully. Hopefully all the pieces come together. Everybody hits on the same on the same cylinders uh, when the time comes, and it seems like onwards and upwards. You hope Pierre Dorian builds around these kids successfully, and then they yeah. can actually make a good run. And then when the time comes to re-up these kids to good contracts, and Eugene Melnick steps up and puts his money where his mouth is. Chris, man, really appreciate you coming on. Sense sicko movement. Anything you want to plug before you go?
1: uh nothing other than uh go sends go <laughs> go sends go
0: awesome awesome well thank you very much for joining us you can follow chris online on twitter at Brochansky. chris thank you so much for coming on you're the first guest really excited to have you and uh if this thing keeps spiraling out of control i'd uh, love to talk to you probably at the end of the season about it thank you so much and and thank you for just being such a positive force in the
1: in the senators online community Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, it's an honor being the first guest. I'm <laughs> uh, you know, looking forward to what you're going you're gonna to make on this new blog. Yeah, we'll, fun.
0: See, we'll see how it goes.